Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. This is my problem. I got you all excited. Good morning. This is a hard morning to get excited, isn't it? A rainy day yesterday, rain today, but this morning's going to be a special, special morning. I'm excited. Um, I know we just prayed for Preston. Jeremy, thank you for praying for Preston. He's been on our prayer list, and the reason why people ask for prayer is because they believe prayer works. Amen? Right? The reason why people ask, ask certain people to pray is because they've seen prayer work in their life. Amen? You hear the difference? Hey, prayer works, but then when they go to certain people, they're like, would you pray because prayer is working through you or people you are praying with? Do I get an amen for that? Amen. We want to be that church, the people of God. That people trust. That's what we want. And so here's what I want to I wanna ask the Holy Spirit to do, even before we jump into this, this morning's message. I want to ask that the Holy Spirit would become more alive, alive in each one of us. That we could trust the God of Jacob, the God of Mary, the God of David. That what he did for them, he will do the same thing. Why? Because they had the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? So Holy Spirit, right now, I ask you for a special work, a special, special work in our message. And God, I, I'm beginning with prayer rather than my intro illustration, because I think we need that more, more importantly. I believe that we need to allow you to work. And the only way that we allow you to work is when we invite you to work. So as I pray that, listen to how I said that. The only reason why you work is that you, we invite you to work. We give you space to work. We give you permission to work. And Holy Spirit, I've been begging that in our church, you would be up to something special. That you would actually surprise us this year. Surprise us. Surprise us. In our relationship with you, in our relationship with others, and in the life of other people, surprise us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 One quick announcement that I can't forget. Next Saturday, men, we're going skeet shooting. So sign up online. Where's that little Q thingy? Uh, everybody loves a Q thingy. Otherwise, it's right up there. Saturday, 9.30 to 11.30, we're going skeet shooting. Men, it's going to be a da -da -da blast. It's going to be fun. That was really cheesy. So anyways. So hey. Think about this. When you hear the word activate, we've been in a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the missing link in Christianity. I believe this is the missing link in Western Christianity, the Holy Spirit. When you hear the word activate, what does the word activate mean? To convert into a reactive form, right? To activate, to turn something on, to start up, to trigger to initiate, to excite, right? 
When you activate something, you are turning something on, you are exciting something, you are triggering something to happen. So everybody take out their phones. How do you activate your phone? How do you turn your phone on? You touch the screen or you put your face in front of it, right? If you're an Apple person, you just put your face in front of it and you initiate the phone being on. For a lawnmower, you either turn the key or you pull the cord to initiate the mower being turned on. When you have an alarm system in your house, you go up to the keypad and you what? Punch in the numbers to turn it on to keep it on, right? And so when we talk about to activate something, we are initiating something happening to stay on and bring about the purpose for why that, whether it be phone or lawnmower or, or alarm, was created to be used. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we talk about activating the Holy Spirit, what we are talking about is that turning the Holy Spirit on in our lives. Not temporarily, but permanently. Permanently. So that we can have life in the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said. He said, I must leave. I have to leave in order for me to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be in you. You see, we want the Holy Spirit to be with us. But we've lost the theological teaching that the Holy Spirit wants to live in us, to turn us on, to make us spiritually alive. And what we're going to talk about this morning, I believe, may be one of the most important parts of this sermon series. It's called Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean that the Holy Spirit wants to turn off and turn on in your life? We're going to look at Galatians. Because Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, talks about what does it mean to have life in the Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, my goal is that everybody here gets it. And I recognize that when I study the parable of the sower, that they, that may not happen. But my prayer is, is that everybody's hearts would be good soil this morning, open and receptive to what you want to do. My prayer is that we would allow the, the stones and the weeds that have gotten in the way this week to be pushed aside so that your word could be planted in the hearts of each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Galatians 5, verse 1, it says this. So, Christ has truly set us free. Look at that. So, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Because Jesus 
broke the curse of sin and death, we are given freedom to be the men and women God created us to be. Amen? Amen. We no longer have to be controlled by sin. We no longer have to be terrified by death. But now, because we recognize we have repented and we have received Christ as our, as our Savior, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We no longer need to be controlled by our, our emotions. We no longer need to be controlled by our cravings. Do I get an amen? amen. And there is a new nature, a new identity that we are called, invited and have the ability to live in every single day. So let me give you the image that I think about. I think about someone in prison. And they are in prison, and they are enchained in the prison cell. And when they recognize that Jesus is their Lord and their Savior, and I'm going to say that very strongly, their Lord and their Savior, Jesus unlocks the door to the prison cell and goes up to the individual and unlocks the chains from their hands and their feet, and he says, come, let's leave. And what happens too often is that people decide to do one of three things. They decide to stay in the cell, not believing that they were truly set free, allowed to leave. Two, they leave and they forget all that God has done to unlock the prison cell. Or third, most importantly, there is actual real life change. Now, we're going to talk about life in the spirit. And I'm going to spell out life for you. L, there's three things we can do. We can learn to live in legalism. We can learn to have a license to do whatever we want. Or we can learn to have liberty in the spirit of God. So what is legalism? You see, when Paul wrote Galatians chapter 5, he was talking to a group of people that were set free to live the victorious Christian life. To go be the men and women they were created and called to be, to live the adventurous life, to invite other people into the gospel. But you know what they did? They created more rules, more regulations. They believed that their morality was a form of godliness. They believed that they had to prove themselves to God, that their good works and their actions we're really setting the, 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 the place for how God would bless them. And so actually they became more enchained than before Jesus. They became more religious. They became more staunch. They became harder on people. So that's one form. But then he wrote to another group of people that they believed they had a license to do whatever they wanted. And so these people, what they did, the moment they received Christ, they said, hey, we can go live like everybody else. We can live these wild lives. We can go flirt. We can go do things that we shouldn't be doing. Our lifestyle, our lifestyle can be just like the pagans, just like the Galatians. And so he saw this place 
Think about the prison cell. Those who wouldn't come out, but they kind of enchained themselves to more religious rules and regulations. Or those people that just forgot the work that Jesus did, and they actually found themselves back in the same prison, whether it be addiction, whether it be control, whether it be pride, whether it be ego, whatever it would have been, they, they found themselves back in a different form of pr- imprisonment. So, legalism. Let me ask you, do you live a religious Legalistic life. Legalism exists when a person, when people attempt to secure righteousness in God's sight by good works. Do you try to incite God's favor by your good works? Do you believe that you can earn or merit God's approval by performance or perfection? Anyone there? Anyone ever been there? right? Hey, if I do this, God will bless me. Hey, if I do this, my my marriage will work out. Hey, if I do this, God will answer the prayers that I am praying. You see, that's a form of legalism. But what's having a license? License is when a person's heart and habits reflect their old nature before Christ, activated salvation in their life. In other words, if you were to go up to people and say, hey, I'm a Christian, they'd say, really? Really? I see you at work, I hear how you talk, I watch how you treat people, you tell me about your your unhealthy habits that you still have pre-Jesus, now with Jesus, does your personality, your actions, your vices and way of life reflect who you were before Christ with no sense of conviction. Have you seen a change? Have you actually seen a transformation in your life that God has done something new and something fresh? Or maybe outwardly, you look so much better, but inwardly, you're worse than ever. Your anxieties your jealousies are worse than ever. But outwardly, you're going to church, you're going to groups, you're going to prayer meeting, you're even going to help out at Camp Acorn Prom. But inwardly, you're a wreck. You see, that's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to do either of these two things. That's not life in the Spirit. But here's what life in the Spirit is. Liberty. Life in the spirit is neither the other two. It is this. Liberty means the quality of being free. Free to not have to be controlled or in bondage to anyone or anything. Does anything have you in bondage? Does anyone have you in bondage? To be free is to live the life intended and empowered under the authority of and control of the Holy Spirit. Not the quality defined by you, but the quality defined by God. You always hear everyone say, live your best life now. What does that mean? 
Can you look back and say that the Holy Spirit activated spiritual life and now I am running, I'm thriving in the manner in which why God created me to be created? Or is life just this constant battle of beating yourself up or humiliating yourself yet all in the name of Jesus. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.17. For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you hear what I'm saying? For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty, to live out the very purpose for why God created you to be created. That's a beautiful place to be. Paul says in verse 16 through 18 in Galatians 5, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And the sinful nature wants to do evil. Anyone want to do evil this weekend? Do I get an Amen. Seriously, right? Have you had any pull in the last month to go the old way? Anyone? We all need Jesus. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Do I get an amen? Amen. Okay, you're too asleep this morning. I'm going to wake you up. Trust me. So... You are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. I love what Paul does. When he talks about life in the Spirit, he begins with verse 1, saying life in the Spirit begins with freedom, an activation That the Holy Spirit releases you to live the life that God has called you to. But then, he pushes into these two different natures that are at war within us. And this is what we have to understand. If you've been coming to the plant for a month, if you've been coming to the plant for six months, if you've been coming to the plant for 10 years, if you've been coming to the plant for 13 years, you know one thing I talk about all the time is our identity in Christ. Amen? Our identity in Christ. When we come to Christ, we are given a new identity as sons and daughters of God. And we're not only given a new identity, we're given a new nature. But there's an old nature that we have to contend with. Look what Paul says. Old nature. And I love to call it this, naughty by nature. Naughty by nature. I'm definitely telling my age. Verse 19 through 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the the results are very clear. You see how Paul writes this out? When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your old nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Now, the first three we all want to avoid, right? Like, that has nothing to do with me. 
And then all of a sudden, he starts digging in a little bit. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, ooh, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition. Paul, stop. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. Paul is so strategic in his writing. Because when he talks about our original sinful nature, he breaks it up into three different categories that every human being will wrestle with. The first category is sexual cravings, sexual sins, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, right? God created us sexual beings. Do I get an amen? amen. Seriously, amen? amen? Amen. All you young people about to get married, do I get an amen? amen. Right? Steve, do I get an amen? amen. Right? Solely, do I get an amen? amen? There you go. Right? It's true. But we don't like talking about this because here's why. We've distorted sexuality. That is taken away from the beauty for why God created sexuality. For procreation and pleasure in the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. And he created us like a puzzle piece perfectly where we get to not only procreate, but we get to have pleasure with one another. Do I get an amen? I'm telling you this. I talk to my children about this all the time because I do not want sexuality to be a taboo in my house. I want it to be something that they look forward to in a holy, godly manner. You hear what I'm saying, parents? If you do not, they will learn from other people. They will learn from other people. The second group were religious sins, idolatry, sorcery. Think about that. Idolatry, sorcery. We all have a desire for some kind of religious authority over our lives, whether it's good or bad. There's something that is always an idol in our life. There's always that. But then there's a third thing, attitudes and conduct against others. Think about how deliberate he is. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Anyone have that this week? Right? <laughs> Selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties. These are all things that cause division in relationships with one another. Do I get an amen? And our old sinful nature wants to be selfish, wants to allow ego to get in the way. And all of these things that Paul is writing about says, this is the nature in which you were born into. We were all born into it. You can't avoid it. If you try to stuff it down so deep, trust me, it's like that game, you know when you hit it, something else pops up, right? Right, bop it, bop it, bop it, right? Something else is going to pop up. But in this, in this, he's saying, recognize it, that that's not who you are any longer. Yes, you were born naughty by nature. Why do you think they call it the terrible twos? But there's a new nature 
that we are given. Saints, not sinners. Saints, not sinners. Yes, we were sinners saved by grace. But now, we are saints. In our identity, we are called sons and daughters of God. If you are a child of God, you are no longer a sinner. You are a saint who will be tempted to sin so that your identity gets distorted. And so, Paul says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. God has called us to be holy. And the only way that we can be holy, H-O-L-Y, is when we are wholly His. W-H-O-L-L-Y. When I say, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will ever love and trust him. That's when the new nature is birthed. Yes, we are given a new nature because we are new creations in Christ. And I am not ashamed to say this. We are born again. No matter how the world is defined, what a born-again Christian is, the Bible says in Jesus, you are given new spiritual life. Who we once once were no longer is identified in us or by us. That's why Augustus, Augustine, I'm sorry, when Augustine was walking down the road, someone was calling, Augustine, Augustine, and he kept walking because he said, I'm not the man you think I was. And so we're given a new nature that has new fruit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There is no legalism against these things. And I love how strategic Paul was. I think oftentimes we think, well, he just kind of wrote a letter really quick. No, I think he wrote this like writing a book. And he said, let's break this down. Let's put those back up into three different ways. When he talked about the fruit of the Spirit, he first talked about this inward work that comes from God and God alone. Love, joy, peace. This inward work that comes from God and God alone. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. I mean, that's one of the greatest commandments given by Jesus. Love your enemies. Second, there are three concerns about relationships with one another. Patience, kindness, goodness. You want a good marriage? Learn to be patient with one another. That's a free counseling session. (laughs) Be patient with one another. Be kind to one another. Show goodness. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think the world knows what kindness is. This whole new thing where it says kindness, kindness, kindness. No, what they're saying is this. Don't push back on me. That's not kindness. Everywhere you go, we were walking through Northern Highlands yesterday, and there's a big banner that says kindness. I'm thinking, that school does not know what kindness is because I graduated from that school. 
Kindness is saying, keep your mouth quiet. That's not kindness. Kindness is loving those who are unlovable. Doing something for someone who you do not know. That's kindness. And so inwardly, God is working in us love, joy, peace, in our relationships with one another, patience, kindness, goodness. But then the last three are this, general traits that guide a person's life. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These three guide a person's life. Faithfulness, sticking with it, gentleness, looking at the big picture of where we're going next, and self-control, not giving into the things that I am tempted by so that I can see the goodness of God come to fruition in my life. Romans 12, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Do you hear me? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not controlled by your sinful nature unless you allow yourself to be. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same Spirit that empowered Jesus to go to the cross lives in you. The same Spirit that lived in Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead lives in you. In you. The same spirit that lived in Jesus that allowed him to shut his mouth under false accusation lives in you. Come on. How are you not getting excited? And so, life in the spirit is understanding this, that I'm giving liberty to live in my identity. But there is a fight going on. There's a war of natures. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We must willfully identify we are no longer identified by our old nature and we must nail that nature to the cross. Our old nature is defined by sin and death. Our old nature is defined by bondage to things and people. Our old nature is pulled by unhealthy cravings that have caused destruction in my life and in relationships with others. He says this, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life in which God has called you. Paul's telling us a truth. Anything in life worth, worth wanting is worth fighting for. Amen. I see how hard you work in your jobs. I see how much pride you take in, in your identity of your positions. I see that you're willing to sacrifice everything to get ahead to what you want next. My question is this, are you fighting that hard for your faith? Are you fighting that hard for your relationship with Jesus? 
Do you really believe that eternal eternity matters? That the eternal things of God are priority one because what we fight hardest for in our lives wins. You want the greatest marriage? You fight for it. You want to be an amazing parent? You fight for it. You want to be a follower of Jesus? And all to Jesus you surrender? You fight for it. That's the gospel. You want to see people healed? You fight for them on your knees. You want to see communities transformed? You get into the community, you step into the community, and you be the gospel presence. Because what you value most, you fight for. And what I value most, I fight for. And the biggest thing that I fight for is that I will not be a hypocrite. I will not be a hypocrite. What God is doing in me will be revealed through me so that my children, my children, will be followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Total side note. It has nothing to do with this morning, but I'm on stage. <laughs> three weeks ago, three weeks ago, I spoke at West Milford. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, and God gave me a prophetic word for my children and my wife. I was more excited for 7.30 that night that I was going to sit them down and share a prophetic word with them than preach at our new campus. And my son said to me, who was battling with anxiety, he said, Dad, that word was for me. What do you value most? What do you fight hardest for? In this way, we disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In our sermon prepping as our team, I love what Pastor Andrew said, the life in the spirit comes through the death of the cross. But here's the difference. He fights for us. We just show up. He fights for us. We just show up. Say that with me. He fights for us. We just show up. Every time we say no to our old nature, every time we say no to our old cravings, every time we say no to the pull that we all have in some forms and some different capacities, every time we say no, Jesus fights for us. Every time, every time, and the reason we have the body of Christ is to keep each other accountable. Hey, I'm struggling. I need you to pray for me. I am under attack. Hey, I gave in. I messed up. I don't want to do that again. Hey, I want to learn the victorious Christian life. We need one another. We need one another. That's why it's called life in the spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. We were not created to be independent from one another. We were created to live in community. You see what I'm saying? God in himself represents community. We represent community. It's why we have the care group. Yes, if you have had addictions and God has set you free, you do not have to live in those addictions anymore. But you need to go to that group to learn to be victorious. And if you do fail, you need people around you that are going to hold you up 
and say, hey, seven times when a man falls, seven times a man picks himself up. It's okay. We need marriage groups. We need men's groups. We need women's groups. We need groups that are on mission because we need to do this together because the Holy Spirit produces these things and it takes time. It's not turnkey. It's a garden. The goodness of God grows in our lives. The gentleness of God grows in our lives. The joy of the Lord grows in our lives. The kindness of God grows in our lives when we plant the Holy Spirit into the soil of our hearts. And so, in closing, E, empowered. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Life in the Spirit, liberty, set free from the bondage of sin and death. Identity, we are given a new nature because of, our, of who we are as new children of God. It's all about identity. It's all about identity. We must fight for our new nature to win over our old. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We must be deliberate to recognize and nail our old nature to the cross of Jesus so our new nature can live out. Too many of us have lived in our old nature for too long. But when we do these three things, you know what happens? We're empowered. We do not have a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and self-control, self-discipline. Empowered to produce his character qualities within you and others get to enjoy it. Empowered to be disciplined to choose to live in your new nature and not controlled by your old nature. And you no longer are controlled by fear, but rather you are set free by the power of God to be the men and women you were created to become. Today, you are empowered. You are empowered to have life in the Spirit. Will you both activate the work of God and live in the work of God so that you can live out who you are as sons and daughters of God, found only in Christ Jesus? This changed my life. This is what I've been fighting for for the last 30 years of my journey. That the things of God would produce real life, real spiritual life, found in the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit. Here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going like old school Good Friday. Paul says, we nail our old nature to the cross. We nail. It's an action that you take. That's pretty cool, huh? That was an, that's an action we take. This is not a sitting in the chair, and hopefully this will happen type thing. This is a, I choose to say no to my old nature And I leave it there. And every time my new nature wants to step up, every time my, new, my old nature wants to step up, and my new nature's at war, I take my old nature, 
and I nail it again. And every time my old nature steps up, I nail it again, and I nail it again, and I nail it again, so that the work of God can be displayed in my life. So here's my question. Who needs to nail their old nature? This is not a rhetorical question. Chris Carbone, come on up. I want to invite everyone up who wants to nail their old nature to the cross as we go to a song of worship. Because when you nail your nature in, you allow your new nature to be lived out. Amen? Amen. Let's worship. I'm a bad hammer. having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.